0: The redhead was right. Worm had not accepted the events of the week, or if he had, he didn't accept them well. I buried the post-release charge in the aditum of my heart and journeyed up the hill to his makeshift office, a towering sugar maple at the north end of the property with a perfect view of the farmhouse, the road, and frondescence. I found my brother amid a smattering of open journals and dog-eared pages and sat in a clearing against the roots of the tree. We were two strangers that shared a spot to rest then, two people that had somehow found each other through the arbitrary lot that life had drawn for us. I watched his brow furl and unfurl, a pen furiously bobbing in his lips as he poured through a book jacketed with an illustration of a tempest-tossed ship. I knew nothing about him and lay satisfied in this ignorance. He wouldn't hear of my entrance into manhood, and escapades in the tub as I wouldn't ask about his journals or his private musings Worm shared only what needed sharing and guarded the rest with silence and secrecy and while I'd be happy to let his imagination writhe in vicarious ecstasy I knew his response would be tepid and nonchalant at best I stared at the book cover and thought of a schooner cracked and smashed to pieces by angry waves and the gaping void that grew between us My brother and me were helpless, but to cling to separate pieces of the wreckage as a storm thrust us further and further apart. On one side was a world of violence, blame, and lust, my world, the real world, and the other bore quiet discontent on the surface and an insatiable charybdis below. We might have been at the point where words could be heard, but we were far past their recognition or understanding. But still, I promised my fire-haired enchantress that I would at least try, so I thought about how to open a line. Before I arrived at a solution, Worm spoke. You've changed, he said in Zanila. I worry about you. I ignored him. You shouldn't hit things. You only end up hurting yourself. I wondered if he was solely referencing the bathroom wall, but decided to deflect his advice by asking him how I should have reacted. He only shrugged. I leaned back against the tree and attempted to clear my mind. The tranquility of view forced me to think about the events that transpired throughout the week. Eli, Mom, the suicide attempt, the fire, and now the redhead. I'm growing up too quickly, I thought. Things were changing too fast and too much was out of my control. The last time I reflected, I ended up in the hospital, so I said the first thing that popped into my mind. I told him I missed our mother. Worm finished writing a sentence, and finally, for the first time that day, looked me in the eyes. He opened his mouth to speak, but reconsidered, In first a split second, I could tell he knew something was different about me. Worm saw the toll this week's events had on my face, and somehow sensed the desperation I felt. His reaction reminded me of Eli. It was oddly reassuring. Uncapping a sharpie, my brother notioned that he wanted to sign my cast. I held my left arm out to him and watched the breeze carry a tuft of dandelion spores across the hilltop. They seemed lost in a kef, content to be carried beyond their control. Enviously, I wondered if we all struggle against the breeze. I wondered if it was even possible for me to succumb, as they had, to drift on life's trade winds, aloof to where they took me, indifferent to the length or the comfort of the ride. For some reason my mind was transported to the litter of puppies and the hopelessness of the blind runt. When reverie passed, I looked down to read my cast, and laughed, the broken one, Worm wrote. Without smiling, he returned to the pages of Stormy Seas, Long after the sky bruised and the sitter was sent home, Aunt Sess called us in to wash up before dinner. Worm retreated to the bathroom and I clumsily set the table with my recessive hand. It had quickly become understood that my aunt despised idle banter. We prepared for dinner in silence, with the exception of my inquiries unto the whereabouts of items around the kitchen. When the phone rang, I looked to her for permission to answer. Tell whomever they are that we shall need to call them back after dinner. She said, pointing to the phone with a pot holdered hand. I put the phone to my ear. Eli, my mother's voice. I lost my grip on the handset and it clattered to the floor. Aunt Sess rushed across the kitchen, removing the gloves as I bent down to recover the phone. She swiped it from my hand and told me to leave the room. In a panic, I shook my head and silently pleaded to remain. She ushered me out and closed the kitchen door. Rather than listen to the muffled sounds of the sisters, I ran upstairs to tell Worm. It was only then that I remembered the second extension on the table in the hall. I grabbed the receiver and covered it with my hand. The cord was long enough to reach inside the bathroom, so I quietly entered and whispered to my brother. He jumped out of the tub, wrapped a towel around himself, and leaned in to listen. The awkward angle of the phone to both of our ears made comprehension difficult, but possible. "'No, Margaret, I told you it's not possible. "'I want to speak to Eli.' "'Eli is gone,' Aunt Cecily repeated impatiently. "'The twins need their mother.' "'Please, Henry, let me speak to my son.' "'I'm sorry, sister.' "'I listened and watched the puddle of water around Worm's feet grow. "'I could feel his eyes on my face, attempting to gauge my reaction, "'perhaps trying to discern how he himself should be feeling.' The conversation continued this way until Cess reluctantly called me to the phone. She covered the receiver as we had done with the upstairs extension moments before and studied my face for a moment. I don't normally condone the use of delusion as a pacifier, she said. However, it appears that this is the best option for now. Your mother's doctor said she hasn't had adequate sleep since the accident. I'll have you know I've instructed her to seek a second opinion about her dosages, but that's neither here nor there. She paused and studied my face as Worm had done, and I was helpless to watch her soap cake lips as she spoke. Do you think you can handle it? I nodded, and she stared into my eyes again. Eventually, she surrendered the handset. Henry, my mother said. No, mother, it's me, Eli. I could hear worms muffled, breathing deep in through the crackling line. Oh, Eli, I've missed you, my mother said. I know, Mom. I'm here now. We need you here, she said. The twins need you. I need you, she pled. Promise you'll stay with us, Eli. Yes, Mom, Eli whispered. I promise. His words echoed in my head. I'm your lion, Mom. I'll be here to protect you. I could hear worms slowly cradle the phone upstairs. For always. I listened to my mother cry, and when it became too difficult, Aunt Sess took the receiver from me and eventually hung up the phone. We ate dinner in silence. I excused myself from the table and asked my aunt if I could go to bed early on account of the pain in my arm. She didn't buy it, but she let me leave regardless. I lay in bed moments later replaying the conversation in my mind. "'coddling my throbbing arm. "'Downstairs I heard my aunt and Worm "'silently washing the dishes "'and swallowed back the nausea. "'I envied Worm for not being affected "'by the sounds as I was "'and wondered what primordial force "'bound us to our mental afflictions "'and left others free of them. "'I thought of Cess's smug, pedantic lecturing "'of our family disease. "'I thought about the weight my older brother bore "'for so many years before he left for the war.' And just as Eli had to become Henry to soothe my mother's diseased mind, I assumed the role of my dead brother. The excitement for my secret awakening in the bath had vanished entirely. In light of the call, dwelling on an experience that most spend years reimagining, hours later seemed petty and childish. The moonlight through the window reflected the black on blue that Worm had scribbled on my cast that afternoon. I read it again and tried unsuccessfully to force myself to laugh. I remembered the crackly, static tears of relief my mother shed to my brother's words on the phone. I longed to escape Cess's house just as Eli had fled hours. I dreamed of leaving and never coming back. When Worm tiptoed into the room that night, I was still awake but pretending to sleep. He stared at me for a while, and his gaze burned against the side of my face. I knew for once Worm wanted needed to talk but i kept my eyes closed and my breathing steady again i heard the tears of my mother muffled and broken but now they rose from the bed beside me i held my breath and concentrated hoping to hear a measure of relief in them as well i fell asleep listening to my brother cry trying to discern which of us if not both was the broken one